Your Medical Finance Matters. Hello, I'm Johnny Hart, and in this podcast, we'll be chatting to the experts about why your specialist medical accountant should be talking to your financial advisor. Well, today, I'm very pleased to be joined by accountant William Myatt of Sanderson Lang and financial planner Ben Manso de Thunyuga from Medical Family Finance. They're going to explain the crucial advantages of making sure that your accountant and your financial advisor are working together. Welcome both. Nice to see you, Johnny. Uh, Thanks for having us. So, William, if I can start with you, there is a perception uh, that an accountant and a financial planner have very different roles to play in organising your finances. Do you think that's true? In some ways. I think this accountants look at things from the tax side. I mean, that's what we're qualified to do. Whereas financial planners do know about general tax, because I would always like to be involved in, in any tax questions. I suppose financial planners are qualified to advise on investments, and I think they do a bit more planning, as in where the client is hoping to be in 10 years' time or at retirement. I suppose we accountants are a bit more interested in tax effects, so we give guidance about existing tax laws and the impact of these laws on clients in the future. But I do think there is a good amount of overlap. Ben, would you like to add to that? I think you're you're putting yourself down. I think accountants also might look forwards, you know, five, ten years because you have to have to really consider not just you know the current situation but also their their future and I think short-term planning um, while it has its most important elements you have to always be looking long term and I think accountants are are just as good as financial planners at that. You're getting all the compliments today William well done. (laughs) Yes I mean I, I suppose that is that is true in that we do sit down with people trying to work out what is going to happen in the future. Um, So the big questions as in how to structure your private practice, things like that. We do get asked some questions about inheritance tax, which I'm sure you do as well, Ben. So we can give advice on things like that, capital gains tax. But yes, I mean, I think it's a question of working together, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And Ben, you're clearly an advocate as to why professional advisors should work together. And there are plenty of reasons for that. Of course. Um, firstly, two heads are always better than one, in my opinion. And you know, having two people looking different size, different opinions, you're always going to have a, a wider, more holistic advice service. And so having both the accountant and the financial planner coming with a two-pronged attack is going to be great for the, the client and their outcomes. Also, just thinking about different legislation changes all the time. The accountants are going to have their specialisms and we're going to have ours. And so, you know, having two people that can really explain to a client how the legislation has changed and how it affects them is going to put them in a better stead for the future. And also, it's obviously important that you can ensure not to miss any essential information. There's plenty of that, isn't there? Yes. So, When we have meetings with clients, they might mention important life events, um, just in passing, perhaps, you know, my daughter's going to university or going to sell our holiday home. These elements are of interest to the financial planners as well as the accountants. They should be considered by a financial planner who can factor 
these things into their plans, you know, funds required, new funds to be generated, how those funds are going to be deployed. Absolutely. And and just to add to that, to avoid conflicting advice, it's such um, a common theme that we see with clients that come to us who have had financial advice in the past with separate advisors and accountants. They don't know who to believe. They're getting told different things. So having people working together all on the same page is 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 key, especially with the important decisions that they've got to make. And you want to make sure that all parts of the financial plan your financial plan are working together absolutely you know you want you want your finances to be working harmoniously so you want to be singing off the same scripts yes absolutely and just to chip in on that so i suppose when financial planners they can get too involved in tax or accountants can start giving specific financial advice Um, and this usually does lead to issues in my experience i've come across clients who have taken financial advice from accountants that has gone wrong Um, you know about say loan products tax avoidance schemes maybe pension opting in and out Um, and the accountant isn't qualified to give advice like that Um, the accountant shouldn't have been giving that advice so that's one thing I do like about working with medical family finances I trust them not to meddle in my remit And Ben, you said earlier, two heads better than one. Can you give me a few more benefits as to having two financial viewpoints working together? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Firstly, you're going to be having your advisor and your accountant focusing on the different elements of your finances, as Will's already mentioned, and that will give you you a better overview of your entire situation. Um, If you have just advice coming from a financial advice point of view, you know, you might only be seeing half the picture and you need an accountant to 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 look and delve into other points, which, you know, you may not consider with a financial advisor. Equally also, there's different opportunities that by working together you can take advantage of. So I mentioned about legislative changes and regulatory changes. And so working through these challenges in a combined way is is going to be really useful going forwards. Yeah, so I suppose the big thing recently has been the annual allowance, hasn't it? Um, And the interaction between the accountant and the advisor. Going back to the taper, so um, in 2016-17, there was unintended consequence of implementing a taper on the annual allowance. Um, This is where the financial advisors and the accountants do need to work together because The accountant has to provide information about the tax and the income to the financial planner. The financial planner is then using that information to calculate the threshold income and the adjusted income in order to work out what the taper is. The financial planner is often assisting with the scheme pays application and working out what the annual allowance charge is. And then that information goes back to the accountant. The accountant needs to declare it in the appropriate way to HMRC. So you've got multiple things working together there. And if you're working with a financial planner and accountant who are not well versed in the NHS pension scheme, something will go wrong probably in that scenario. Ben, could you sum up the separate elements uh, that the accountant and the advisor look at? Yeah, so advisors are looking to 
ensure that your money you know works as hard as you're working you know we want to get the best return for you um, but also make sure that it's going to support you in the long term both yourself and your family and you know we'll correct me if I'm wrong but accountants are normally the ones checking the figures um, you know, verifying your income um, especially with the NHS doctors might have multiple streams of income both NHS private um, or might be working as a as a sole trader um, and so they're involved with looking at your holistic income and calculating tax liabilities. So let's talk about setting up businesses and why it is important for both sides to work together, Will. Absolutely, Johnny. So the big question for clients is how to structure their private practice at the beginning, or indeed, as they get older, they might reassess whether their current um, setup is appropriate for them. A lot of clients are talking to us about companies. Um, it's very important for them to understand the effects of having a company. A lot of them have spoken to their colleagues and their colleagues have done it and therefore they think that it's probably a good idea for them. But we try and walk them through the actual tax consequences because if it's just clients owning the shares themselves and they want all of the money out of the company, say they have large school fees to pay, then it can actually be worse in terms of tax because the corporation tax is taken within the company. This rate has gone up recently. And then there's also dividend tax when you take the money out of the company. And this has also gradually increased. So you can end up with a hybrid tax rate of over 50%, um, which is higher than the marginal rate as a sole trader, which is 45% income tax and 2% national insurance, so 47%. So it's important to illustrate the effects of the tax of the various routes. Um, but this is where liaising with the financial planner um, can be very useful because the client is often trying to keep money in their company. And it's quite a big change for them um, not having access to the money or having access to the money in a much more limited way. Say with dividends, dividends are only paid a couple of times a year. So that will have a big impact on these clients who are used to getting their hands on their private practice money as soon as they receive it um, from the medical insurers or the patients. So Ben, getting the right trading structure for a doctor's business can make a big difference to their finances. Absolutely. And from my you know, personal experience, it's great knowing I have someone like Will that I can you know, refer them on to, to give them that advice and, and walk through with them the best way to go about setting up a company or doing it on their own. Absolutely, Ben. And there were many instances, weren't there, when, again, it comes back to the annual allowance and the taper. So a lot of Doctors did set up companies in order to mitigate this annual allowance charge, decrease their threshold income on the tax return, it reduced their adjusted income on the tax return, so they had less of a problem with their pension. And this is where we spent a lot of time um, liaising with you, didn't we, Ben? The problem, I suppose, is that it's impossible to know. Well, having said that, you you can look at it, can't you? But as accountants, we don't know what the inputs are going to be because they depend on things like inflation. So you are making assumptions about what inflation is going to be because that has an impact on the pension 
pots and the pension growth because it's not measured in the same way that you would think. It's not how much money you pay into your pension or how much the NHS pays into the pension. It's about the notional increase in the value of the existing fund. So you guys come up with um, some projected inputs and you can tell clients whether it might be better for them to opt out of the scheme. But from our point of view, the clients have large inputs and sometimes they're unfair because there are now three pension schemes, aren't there? There was the 1995 scheme, historic scheme, that some people are still a member of. They had the option of transitioning into the 2008 pension scheme and then everyone got shoveled into the 2015 scheme although it was dependent on their age later this was deemed to be discrimination so because the older doctors if they were say 50 plus at a certain date they didn't have to transition into the 2015 scheme and the 2015 scheme is in some ways, less generous. There's no tax-free lump sum, um, and it's a career-averaged revalued earnings scheme rather than a traditional final salary scheme. Um, so it was deemed by the McLeod judgment not to be um, fair on people to transition people gradually because it was dependent on the month and the year of your birth, the date that you got transitioned into this new scheme. So effectively... For that seven-year period between 2015, the introduction of the new scheme, and 2022, there were lots of annual allowance charges that are now going to have to be recalculated because the doctors are going to be given the option of not transitioning to the 2015 scheme. And this is where it comes back to fairness. So I had an example of a client who had very high earnings and he didn't do anything about the annual allowance. I kept told, telling him about the annual allowance being a problem, but he was tapered down to 10,000. He had high earnings and he had a big input, pension input, in the 19 to 20 tax year. And that was the year when they realised, when the government realised that the scheme was a disaster the annual allowance taper was a disaster because it was having a terrible impact on doctors because they were all opting out of doing extra work because of the negative impact on their pension. So in the 2019-20 tax year, the NHS trusts pay the charge for the doctors. So it was basically a free pass for the doctors. He would have thought that this would be quite easy from an admin point of view, as in the doctors wouldn't have to do anything. But of course it wasn't. So the doctors have to work out their charge for that year. They have to do a scheme pays form. They have to do, so the pension is paying the charge. They then have to do a compensation form. So the compensation form is to the trust and the trust then agree to reimburse the pension scheme for the money. And then the final insult to all of this complication is that we have clients who are retiring now and they are receiving their pension and they are also receiving a second pension, a small one, that is compensation for the fact that their original pension has paid 
this charge and it's being reimbursed by the trust. I'm not sure if I've made that clear enough, but it is completely ridiculous. It's a, a massive paper trail. Mm. If anyone can explain that to me, I'm listening. <laughs> Very interesting, uh, your view, uh, William. Uh, let's turn to uh, retirement planning, Ben. And there are many options, aren't there, to consider when retiring from the NHS? Yeah, absolutely. And every time you think you've made a plan, the NHS uh, or the government will, will change that with how they change legislation. So when you come to a financial planner, we can look at and project different ways of how your pension can look, be it taking it at age 60 through to whatever age you'd like to retire. And then we can also factor in, as, as William mentions, scheme pays as well, paying that through your NHS pension, um, looking at whether you want to take the standard lump sum or the maximum lump sum or somewhere in between that as well. So there's lots of ways that we can project and, and model and, and work your um, NHS pension to fit you and to suit your circumstances. So your financial advisor will be looking at ways you can achieve uh, your own objectives by generating the funds you need to do, the things you want to do, and your accountant will be able to provide the accurate figures for the advisor to use and detail for the detailed forecast, forecasting for the future. Is that right? Yes, I think that's a fair summary. I think your your accountant's your best place to consider how to you know leave your private practice because they're going to be two separate things your NHS pension and your private practice but they're going to interact and your your accountant's definitely going to need to look at how they interact and how you can you know work both elements of your retirement plans together to give you what you want in retirement. Final question for you both. Do you think it's just the accountant who's interested in tax? William? No, I mean, I think Ben and Medical Family Fires, they have a good understanding of tax and tax has an implication on everything that they do. The financial planning, you'd be nowhere if you didn't take the tax into account. Tax affects everyone in their daily lives. I just wish that it was a simpler system. They keep making it more complicated. The um, tax code now runs to more than 20,000 pages. Things get more complicated each year rather than more simple. So it'd be nice if everyone could understand it um, in a more simple way. Yeah, and so many different types of tax. I mean, income tax is only one part of the accountant's remit. There's also capital gains tax, inheritance tax uh, to plan. That's been in the news uh, quite recently. So, Ben, both the accountant and the financial advisor will be planning how best to mitigate uh, these liabilities by working together. Absolutely. It sort of goes back to the previous point we were making about having financial planners and accountants understand where their remit starts and stops. We, as financial planners, we will know about tax and taxation, but I think you have to have a sense of humility in knowing that it's time to pass you on to the accountant. And that's such an important thing about having accountants and financial planners as part of your arsenal. But going back to your point, thinking about inheritance tax planning, capital gains tax planning, aside from the NHS pensions, you want to plan for intergenerational wealth planning. So looking at making sure not just yourself, but your family are taken care of. And it's so key to have someone to have an understanding of the, the full taxation and how that's going to impact you and your family. I think that's a great place 
to close this podcast. And I think that's a thoroughly comprehensive overview of why a joined up approach is highly beneficial to doctors who need to ensure their finances are working constructively for the future. William, Ben, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having us. Cheers. And if you'd like to find out more or ask any questions, call Sanderson Lang on 01732 365 351 or visit sandersonlang.com. Until next time, thanks and goodbye. Your Medical Finance Matters 